Hello, wonderful people. How is it going? Oh, it feels good to be back podcasting. It has been what feels like a little while. Not too long, really. But, you know, these conversations bring me such value, such joy, such energy. And it's just so great to learn about all the amazing things that are happening in our community that, you know, I want them to be a a regular feature of my life. So, I mean, without further ado, let's jump back into things. Today, I'm incredibly unfortunate. Unfortunate? No, I don't think so. I think I'm very, very fortunate to be joined by the wonderful Joe Mitten. Now, Joe is the leader or the founder of MitFit and is a health and wellness expert who loves to dabble in a bit of public speaking. He has helped tens of thousands of people bring changes into their life that relates to exercise or to nutrition or to mindfulness. His company, MitFit, provides 45-minute outdoor sessions that support both men and women. And this, this, this community that's been built through uh, MitFit is now really starting to see the impact of the, of the consistency that he's been putting into this project. And that hard work certainly paid off in the lockdown window where he started to recognize or be recognized nationally and internationally, leading to people joining the MitFit community beyond just the UK. Now, he's been seen on things such as BBC, he's been seen in things such as Men's Health or Reebok, and I can, you know, go on to list a number of different things. But, you know, I am so extremely grateful to see that the work that he's doing is is so deep-rooted in supporting those that are around him at all ages. And we're going to be diving into loads of that. So, without further ado, my name is Will Brocklebank, and this is a Serotonin Session. My man, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, man, to be honest, it's actually, you, you've called it a bit of a special moment as well, where I've tried to to move to a new place, sort of the, the setup is is sort of changing as as time goes along. So, you know, I think what what's most importantly, though, is I just want to make sure that, you know, we're in the right space for us to be able to have like a, a full-blown conversation because... You know, man, I've, I've in preparation actually for for a previous project. So for for social strides, uh, shout out to Will Morris for this, by the way. Um, but he he passed on your your name to me, mm. and then I started going into sort of into the research of, of what you do and what you're involving yourself in, and and the reasons behind why you do certain things, man. And it's 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 truly inspirational. So I mean, I'm I'm very very grateful for you being here, man. Thank you. Um, now, something that I know uh, you you did, or when you were growing up, it was Chesterton Community mm. College. Am I right? That, yeah. that, that you went to. Now, I'm not from I'm not from Cambridge originally, but now just through teaching, mm. um, like I'm getting to know some of the some of the schools in the in the local area. But sort of in relation to your your pathway for for MitFit and sort of your maybe direction into just the the personal training and and sort of health and wellness world, was it your experiences at school that sort of led to that, or did was it something that ended up happening post-school? School was a big influence on sport. They were very, Cheston were very heavy on sport, which was always good. Um, there was always rugby, football, a lot of basketball. I remember we used to have playgrounds, which we had to go to, but quite often they would let us play basketball in the hall at break times because we were, we were on the team. Um, so rather than saying, no, you can't play, they would said, yeah, go use the hall. So we would be playing basketball or football every single lunchtime. We were playing every single team and it was the same kind of group of us that played for every every team the rugby team the football team um and then obviously there was external influences from my family at the time to go into other sports my dad played squash growing up which i really got into um at that age 
yeah, and it was, yeah, they kind of, that led me on to then wanting to try the gym. Um, they had the gym at Chesson Sports Centre had the funding from the lottery while I was there. So they kind of really kind of did up the school. I remember doing swimming lessons there when I was really young <clears throat> and it's changed completely. So then obviously having the, the gym on site, we started then to use the gym in PE lessons. We'd use the pool for swimming. We obviously had football, then the AstroTurf came. So there was an abundance of sporting activities just at secondary school, let alone what I was doing outside and external influences. So that was a big part in it. Um, but then it was more so when I kind of got to college where I realized maybe university wasn't for me. Um, that was always the plan. Parents like school, college, uni, that was always the plan. And I kind of got to college and I was like, I like learning about what I like learning about. And obviously the more in depth we went into it, I did A-level biology, but there was only one topic which took two weeks, which was what I actually wanted to learn about. And the rest was plants and ecosystems and stuff, which quite frankly, I don't really want to learn about. That's not really what I was interested in. Um, so then I kind of realized to get what I want from life, it wasn't really going to go down that typical pathway, but that definitely started with um, a high amount of sport at Chesterton and a range of sports as well. I, th I think that's what you, you sometimes can be very fortunate with when you're a, when you're a student is, you know, if there's a certain influx of funding at a particular time or, you know, more importantly, if there's an ethos there that's sort of driving that sort of sense of sport. And I imagine gaining the, the, the fitness suite sort of partway through um, sort of your, your time there would be a, a really a, an influential thing. So I think there was a there was a set of year gaps between your time at uh, at school, if I'm right in saying, before then moving into actually launching Mitfit. Am I right in saying, or was it very instantaneous? Well, I left left school at 16, went and did A levels at Long Road. But before I started, I knew I was going to do three years for the course I did. Um, in my second year, I met a guy. Well, he was next to me in psychology. And it's always a funny story because sometimes I won't say who it was, but sometimes we'd be in college and I'd be like, Oh, you come into you come into the lesson and he'd be like, No. And I'm like, Why are you in college if you're not gonna go to the lessons? And I was sat next to him after Easter and I was like, Oh, how was your Easter holidays? He said, Oh, I spent the two weeks on a course. And I'm thinking, This is a guy that won't even go to lesson when he's on site. Why has he spent two weeks doing a course? So I said, What was it? And he said, oh, I was a level two fitness instructor. And I was like, What is that? Um, and he said it's how you, you get taught basically how to work in a gym and how to show people kit and stuff. So I looked into it and because I was under 19 at the time, it was only £99 for the course. Um, so I asked my parents if I could do it. Uh, there was a two-week stint in August during my summer holidays where I spent two weeks going to CRC. I only live on Milton Road, so it was like a 10-minute cycle, not even that. Spent two weeks, nine to five, doing that. Kind of lied to my parents and said it was going to be a backup when really I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I kind of, when everyone else was looking at universities and doing their CAS, I think, I can't remember what it's called. I oh, was, the CAP applications. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't do anything. Like they went all around the country looking at universities with my sister. I didn't look at one. I kind of just, I didn't really um, see the interest in that. And then finished college, straight away got a job in a gym. The, the day I picked up my A-level results was the day I had the interview, uh, got the job there. And they said, like, if you get the job, we'll also, we'll do your level three for you. So my level two and level three, all in all, actually only cost me £99, which was brilliant. Ooh, yeah, okay. very good. Um, and the level three was obviously while I was working in a gym. So I was doing fitness sessions. I was doing uh, gym programs. I was working with people, uh, learning kind of the tricks of the trade. And there was personal trainers there that were very busy. And I said to them, like, how have you got where you are? And they told me the steps. They went to David Lloyd. They did this. They did that. 
So then I started applying for and having interviews at David Lloyd's around the country before I'd even qualified as a level three. I went down to Chigwell, had one in Fulham, had one in Cambridge, interviews, kind of just really wanted to get there. Then I went to David Lloyd to learn how to be a PT. Um, and then I decided, right, okay, I know what I want to do now, how I want to run the business. And then I launched when I was 22. I mean, I mean, a standout thing for me there is that is that interaction that, that that you had with those that were around you and saying, you know, how did you actually build mm. this 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 following? And there's always such power in in having those conversations on a localized level. And and you know, as you then do experience that you move to certain other places and there's there's other demands and stuff. But those those initial conversations are really important, which probably you know in some way shaped sort of the approach that you took to certain things. But specifically with with Mitfit because I'm sure that you've had, you know, a number of your own experiences of, of, of fitness and physical activity. I'm sure that you've now worked with enough clients and, and, and different people to know what, mm. you know, you want to try and create. But what, what do you consider to be sort of your main pillars for MitFit? What do you want people to, to finish their time with you? And hopefully it's just, you know, extended, it's just ongoing. Yeah. But at the end of their time working with you, what are you hoping to have imparted knowledge-wise or, or anything else on the, on the person that you're working with? Primarily, it was always the understanding that fitness can be fun. Um, obviously, like, as I said, at school, I did so much sport. Um, and a lot of, it was that kind of age and that time, like there was only maybe one or, one or two girls that really were into PE. It was kind of, it wasn't, they, they do, especially, I mean, the girls have just won the Euros. Do you know what I mean? For England, which is, which is Shout incredible. Shout out. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, amazing. Is, which, is, which is mad. It's amazing. And that kind of just, really signifies how much we do need to encourage girls to get into sport as well um uh, but that wasn't really there at school and it was very apparent um and kind of i wanted to showcase that fitness can be fun because fitness has been my everything my how would you have fun at the weekend i'd go play football and i'd go watch football or i'd go squash or i'd go swimming and so fitness was such a big part of my life always had all of the friends i have all of the best memories i have have been derived from some sort of sport or fitness so primarily the goal for MitFit was to create a fun, engaging space that allowed people to, of all shapes, sizes, ages, abilities to kind of come together and, and work out and, and have a good time. So kind of building that community, having the education there as well to, to help people better understand themselves, how they move and actually kind of piece together what it is they want to achieve, um, but in a safe environment. Because obviously as, as good as school is for education, it's not for everyone. Um, and I kind of learned that the hard way. It wasn't how I wanted to learn um, but you kind of you do just have to get on with it and you do have to do it which that is just life um, so I kind of wanted to create a space where people can learn what they want to learn achieve the results that they want to achieve but do it in a safe controlled environment where it's more of a family than it is anything else um, it's a recognition of that community really isn't it it's that that sense that you know in a community it's, it's often made up of unique individuals who you know aren't always sharing the same common goal and obviously there's ways in which people that are maybe going down very specific routes that they can sort of go with and I know that you know as a personal trainer you you do sort of allow that to, to happen in in sort of one-to-one -one settings but that you know that the power of community in those big social situations and bringing people together for those those boot camps is is pivotal and sort of reading through some of the, the testimonials of, of of you know MitFit and I mean there's there's plenty of them I'm not gonna <laughs> lie it's it's quite amazing really but you know one of the common themes beyond you know actually loving the the workouts and stuff that they do is is that sort of that the personality and that personability that comes from 
comes from you specifically, mm. actually. So, you know, from your perspective, what what do you see sort of your role is for your clients inside and outside of sort of the, the setting of, of, of MitFit? And has there been sort of maybe a scenario where you've maybe adjusted something that you're doing based upon, you know, the supporting of one particular individual and that's then led to maybe a larger change in another aspect of, of MitFit? Yeah, for sure. Um, we've, um, I always say to anyone when they start like this, this, it may be a group workout, but this is for you. If you don't want to do an exercise, if you want to change it, if you want to work, one of our clients, he said to me recently, he's been with me for four years. He's like, Oh, I feel like I'm really fit and I'm really strong, but my shoulders are quite weak. So I've started adding more shoulder workouts to, to the sessions, but alternatively, women don't particularly want big shoulders. So I say, we've got the barbell, we've got the squat rack do shoulders but if you don't want to we can do Romanian deadlifts we can do squats there are other ways that you can work different body types using the same bit of kit so there is that flexibility there straight away um, and one of the clients kind of she did one-to-one sessions for a bit during lockdown but once that kind of came out of lockdown she was then unable to do it because of timings um, but she said that she really enjoyed the heavy lifting so I've started to kind of put the heavy compounds back in for her and everyone else is loving it, then all of a sudden people are saying, well, I want to lift heavier or I want to try a bench press. And you've got women that were petrified of a bench press, then lying down with the bar and, and smashing out 10, 15 reps on a 20 kilo barbell and then putting fives on each side and then going again. And that's just kind of like changed their life forever. And it's changed mine as well. I didn't really, like it was, I wasn't holding back for them. I was just kind of like, didn't want to scare them. And then they obviously kind of demanded it. And I just said, look, I'll just stand here you do it, I'll be here with you. Um, and they just literally smashed it out and started repping the bar. And I'm thinking, God, probably should have done that six months ago. <laughs> but I, I think that being able to to take lessons from from those mm. aspects of practice, right, that's what leads to creating a community and a, and a reason for people to keep, to keep coming back. Mm. And something that was really quite amazing as I was sort of going through my, my research was sort of certainly the, the lockdown window. Mm. Um, I mean, there was, there was a lot that it showed me about you. One of which was that, that, that ability and willingness to, to pivot a business idea to, mm. to work with the times. I thought that was very, very impressive. Um, but you know, when you were in that lockdown window, you didn't want to give up all of the classes. You didn't want to stop everything to do with MitFit. You you actually sort of stepped up to the plate, really. And if we focus in specifically on the actual online workouts, mm. so it led to you sort of leading some online workouts, and that then actually got picked up uh, nationally, and then eventually into into an international sort of situation, which is uh, absolutely mind blowing, uh, man. So. I mean, with with that though, you know, were there some some lessons that you had to really learn from when you know that that quite large growth happened, mm. and you know, specifically for for yourself, do you feel that that maybe has has changed um, either a pillar or like a vision aspect of of what you wanted to do with Mitfit? Um, I was always aware that I could. The goal has always been for me to be the best in the world. That is, I want to be the best at everything I do. And as long as I know that I've given, I don't have to be the best in the world, but as long as I know that I gave my 100%, I could be the, the worst in the world. But if I sit there and say, look, I gave my best, that's all I can do. Um, and I guess that kind of, the, the online side of things was always, um, always in the back of my mind, which is how I was able to pivot so quickly compared to anyone else, because there's a funny story behind that as well, because I was already kind of preparing for that anyway. 
in order to help the masses. Um, but one of my first ever mentors said to me that a lot of people go on doing online training, but they should they need to spend years in the field first, doing tens of thousands of hours of of working with people, which I obviously I had that under my belt. I had at least ten thousand hours of sessions under my belt by the time. So when you're in although someone one of the clients was in Jordan at the time, we're doing a session online. I don't it doesn't matter where they are in the world, I can still coach them through whether I can see them or not. I know the coaching points, I know the cues. Whereas typically now a lot of people are trying to jump onto online training straight away, but they don't really, they have zero real world experience. It's like obviously trying to be a teacher on Zoom when you've never actually been in a classroom with any kids. It's, it's not really going to be as easy as it might be if you've got 10 years experience in a classroom to go onto Zoom. It's like, well, I've, I've done this before. Um, so kind of, yeah, I, that was always in the plans anyway. And COVID kind of obviously forced that upon us. Um, and you said, yeah, like I was never going to back down. I ended up tripling down. We went from eight or nine sessions a week to two sessions a day, morning and evening, except for a Saturday night where we did a quiz night instead. And Sunday mornings we had yoga. So it, we ended up doing two sessions a day. And one of the clients who's still with me now did every single session with me. Every single session? I think it was 262 <laughs> sessions or something we did during the first lockdown. Yeah. And she yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a that's she a, did every single. That's one. a tool standing. That is a tool that So wh whoever that is, shout out to you. That Laura. is that is a yeah. that is a ridiculous ridiculous amount. Um, but yeah. So it's it's interesting you say that then that you know that you almost were mentally prepared for yeah. that specific scenario to 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 come along. And was was maybe that that transition any any different to what you thought? Was was there sort of maybe requirements or expectations that came with that that maybe you weren't initially anticipating, which could have maybe had a positive or negative influence? Mm. Or was it relatively down the line you sort of knew well, it was coming? I, the way I've always run Mitfit has always been communication with the clients. What do you guys want? What do you guys need? When do you want the sessions? Is there anything else I can do? So it was really just a case of just answering their questions we want it at this time done we want it on these days done can we have a like actually the quiz night was my idea but can we have an expert to come in and talk about this topic can we shred a girl come on board and talk about the menopause and stuff which obviously that's not my expertise whereas a lot of the women are they're, they're kind of they are of that age so to have a female come in and speak about that was kind of there you go guys let's have some education there for you which actually a few people definitely learn off she talks about the menopause but she also talks about the menstrual cycle and all those kind of things so it was very much looking at, like, I, I just put it to my clients, say, what do you want? How can I be the best coach? And, and one thing I actually did, the so the Saturday we found out that I was going into lockdown, um, I messaged everyone. I was still, I was in the change rooms of football and one of the boys was like, oh, I'm in, you can't go to work on Monday. And I was like, what? And I looked at the article and I basically sent a message to the guy, said, right, 9am till 11am tomorrow, I'm going to be at the lockup, come get a piece of kit and a mat. We're online as of Monday morning. It was literally as quickly as that. Um, and then on the Sunday, I spent, Dropped, did sort of the kit out and I spent all day sending a personalized video to each and every client and I kind of specifically used their name so they knew it was for them I'd be like oh hey Ben um, thank you so much for being a part of Mitfit obviously we go online Monday we've never done this before we don't know what's going to happen can you please tell me what you want from me and what you don't want from me so then I then had a shed load of information there of exactly what my clients wanted so it was just a case of filling in the blanks and just kind of doing that which made my job so much easier because I wasn't stabbing in the dark hoping to find a winning formula they essentially they gave me what they wanted and it's that expansion again isn't it on on community and mm. and connection um 
you know, with with the the online element, so that obviously became quite a, a large feature. And, but I think it's it's safe to say that your bread and butter comes from you know in person sort of training sessions. Um, has there been any legacy left over from that lockdown window, which has sort of led you to, mm. to keep an, an online aspect, or is that something that you've now sort of moved away from again? No, we still do three zooms a week: Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, half seven to eight in the morning. We still have a few clients that jump on that are from kind of London, Essex and a few other places. Um, the biggest reason for the explosion during COVID was a lot of um, clients who had family around the world and a lot of people kind of, they were, everyone was in lockdown. Like if, if it was just a national thing, I don't think it would have gone as, as well as it did. It was the fact that the world was on lockdown. So then all of a sudden everyone was looking for something to do. And it was just about kind of twisting their arm to kind of face them towards what I was doing. Do you know, I never actually thought about that in the sense of, of families who have got people from all over the world and actually these exercise classes forming a way in which, you know, you're creating those social connections when maybe you wouldn't have had that before. I've, li- I've never actually thought about that even being a, I mean, I should, I mean, in so many other contexts I have, if you mm. know, like with the quizzes and things like that, but with exercise classes, more specifically with family members and friends coming involved, mm. I imagine that was actually quite a, quite a special experience really for for everyone that was involved yeah it was and then having like one of one of the clients she her sister was in america and then she um her sister came down unfortunately we didn't get to meet but then kind of i've met one of my clients he's he's turkish and he's he lives here and has done for years his family worked with me during lockdown one's in america one was in turkey and they've actually come over to visit and then come to the group sessions so then you see this person that you've only ever seen on a screen and spoken to is there then in the flesh and they're like, and you already, already had that relationship with them. Um, so it was quite nice being able to transition from, and when, when Clark, like here's that same client, his then his sister-in-law just stayed with him for a month and she came to the workouts for the whole month kind of thing. So it really kind of bridges that gap. And I just say to my clients, if you ever have family visiting, just bring them along, like just, just bring them down to the sessions. I mean, and completely the right thing to do as well. And as, as you, it, I mean, it's great that you're still running um, Zoom calls mm. or um, sort of Zoom workouts and things going going forward, because I think that there is still that desire at certain points, right, to be able to have access to it, even if you can't come into the physical space. But mm. I, I imagine having the physical element back was a was a, was a real positive for you. But you know, something that I, I've maybe started to see certainly with 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 all the bits that I've sort of read across with MitFit and then mm. for, for yourself, yourself specifically is that sort of real passion and, and love of, of collaboration and working with, mm. with other people, either from a, uh, from a business standpoint or for maybe a, a more societal, more social sort of, uh, a social call more to mm. say. Um, and there's a couple of collaborations and a couple of things that you've done that I'd love to just find out a little bit more about. There's there's one that um, we sort of spoke about just before we we started recording, just because mm. there was uh, a kerfuffle on one of the days. Oh, <laughs> kerfuffle! Wow, kerfuffle. okay. What a wow, word. What a word. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, but during so when I, when I first heard about it, this was actually more to do towards the sort of the lockdown window. So, so I think this has been a, a, a legacy project that maybe mm. that's carried over for quite a while. Um, but you sort of work to provide educational workshops to, to schools. You work to, to provide actual nutritional support to people in, in different camps. Um, and all of it sort of, it, it seems to feed through what you're doing at, at MitFit. Mm. And, you know, before I maybe dive into, you know, how we came about the food side of things, um, what made you decide that you wanted to work 
in the education sector or come in and, and talk to, to younger people in comparison to sticking to just sort of fully grown adults? Um, I kind of, one rule I've always had for myself since I became a personal trainer is if you, if you ever meet a PT, ask them why they got in the game. They always say, I love helping people, yet they only do it when they're getting paid. So I have this rule where if you're going to tell people that you got in the game to help, you can't only do it when you're charging for it. And it's kind of like I have, whether you pay me nothing or whether you pay me a billion pounds, the knowledge I'm going to give you is the exact same. So obviously what people are paying for when they come to the boot camps and the personal training is your time. They're paying for that, that set up there. Whereas if I'm going into a school and I'm speaking to 200 kids, that's 200 kids that I can positively impact to lead a healthier, happier, better life for themselves. I, I don't need a tangible reward from that. That's, this isn't some kind of virtue signaling. This is not an ego boost for me. This is, I have the knowledge. They want to learn. Like I did a talk um, yesterday and I was saying to one of the guys today, that's the best group I've ever had because they, they listened, they put their hands up, they were engaging. They, re they genuinely want to learn. They want to learn. Like if I'm telling them protein will help them grow muscles, which helps them kick a ball harder, they want that. So they're, they're listening and say, I eat fish, I eat tuna, I like steak. And they, they're then kind of having that conscious thought then around what they're eating. And it's just about like a lot of people moan about stuff, but then don't kind of contribute to a solution. And obviously like I, as someone, I, I have two chronic illnesses, so I do spend a lot of time in and out of hospital and stuff like that. And obviously there are significant wait times and there is a lot of pressure. And my mum's been in the NHS for over 35 years. So I've seen it on a personal level in multiple ways. Um, and it's kind of like one of the easiest ways or probably not easiest, maybe one of the quickest ways we can reduce the impact on the NHS is simply by being a healthier nation. Well, I have the means to do that. And, I, and through Zoom and through the world we live in now, I have the ac accessibility to do that as well. I recently did a talk to 500 kids at a school in Peterborough from my bedroom. Do you know what I mean? And we just zoomed it in and every single class got involved and they were in their class and they were putting their hands up and I was asking them questions and we did key stage one and then we did key stage two. Um, so I could adjust the talk slightly to obviously speak to the older age groups. Um, and there we go, within two hours, I'd helped 500 kids. And then I just went about my day as if it never happened. But for them, they'll always remember that. Um, so it's about making a positive impact and actually being part of the solution and not sat there being like, oh, I've got to go to the hospital. They've given me a two-week wait list for my procedure. It's like I can actually reduce that down because I have a way to do that. Um, so I always like to be part of the solution and not just contribute to the problem. So that's kind of, that's where it stems from. I mean, a, a massive respect to you to for, for doing that for, for free. Mm. Um, and again, I, I definitely get that sentiment mm. that I think that from a from a business perspective, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business. So there needs to be specific things within it that, mm. that will generate revenue to allow that to carry over. But I think at the same time, if, if you're deep rooted truly in that mm. concept of, of community, well-being, supporting those that are around you, there's there's there needs to be maybe scope within your own existence to in, you know to to engage in some volunteering or to do some of these things for for free because i think it's that's where you get sort of the the realist sense of what someone is about and and why obviously mitfit at the moment is 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 being so successful coming back mm. to that that personalized aspect from yourself is that you know you're not there to, to just make money that's no. not that's just 
just not where your head even remotely is. It's it's more about creating experiences, scenarios um, where where people can better themselves in one way, shape, or form. So, I mean, I, I think it's great that you would you went into to schools to do that because I think it, I, I'm intrigued to see how you found communicating with kids versus mm. versus adults. Was that a bit of a, a weird learning curve? Funnily enough, the kids are more receptive. Yeah, because they sit there and they go, "You're the adult. I'm the kid. I listen to you." Whereas the adults, they're always everyone knows how to lose weight, like eat less, move more. Like, it's such a simple concept, like, but it's actually it's not that simple, and it's you have to break down the nitty gritty um, and really get into like the emotional side of it, the psychological side of it. Whereas with kids, they're literally they sat there like, "Yeah, I listen. You're bigger than me." Like it's as simple as that. Um, and actually sometimes you, well I only do 15 minute talks <laughs> yeah. so I'm not a, this is not my full time full time job yeah, no, man, I get but then I'm coming in as an external source and I've got Mitfit on my brand on my jumper and it's on the slideshow and I'm this I'm, I am obviously I'm six one, so like these kids are like 7 and 8 so I am a lot bigger than them um, and obviously the teachers do it and the people running the session do a great job at saying this is Joe he's coming in off his own time to talk. so there is very much that kind of initial level where they are just going to listen and um but also they, they do they want to listen as well not because it's me but because they actually they want to learn about food 100 percent. because everyone and i said to the kids yesterday i was like the first thing i say is why do we need food and it's like oh to live to survive so they understand the basic concept is like yeah but we can actually eat certain things and kind of direct a result that we want from that as well and giving them that understanding so like Yesterday, I was in the talk for this was for Norwich City Regional Development. There are going to be lads that, and girls there that are in academy setups, even at seven or eight. So they're going to be thinking, I want to get better. I want to get better. So just kind of giving them that platform is, yeah. And so that's a very long winded way of saying the children listen better sometimes. They, they do. I, I think that there is such power in introducing those conversations at that particular age group, mm. as long as, you know, we're carefully considering the way in which that that information is mm. presented, right? Because there was a, a unit, a, a, a nutrition in nutrition unit that I wrote when I was in school for mm. um, for the students to use, and we and we did it this year. We'd run it a few times before, you know, really really happy with the outcomes. But it's interesting. We did a, like a bit of feedback or evaluation of it mm. this time, and you can see that in some the use of some bits of language, there is still like a lot. There's a bit of a juggling process or a bit of a grey area in how students perceive certain things. Mm. But I think without us being willing to have those types of conversations even if it is from just a, a sporting perspective in, in the first instance, you know, mm. the benefits of what that can mean in that sense. You know, I, I think, I mean, I'm certainly all for it. I think that's the direction that we we need mm. to be going. But but speaking of food, um, sort of coming back to your um, sort of the, the funded meals, the scheme that, that mm -hmm. you ended up ended up launching through mm. through MitFit and, and I'm presuming with some other organisations, mm -hmm. who who did you have to collaborate with in order to, to bring that about? And, you know, why was it that... That particular thing was it based off your willingness to talk about nutrition in your in your talks that made mm. you want to to run that sort of scheme so i was running um boot camps for cambridge united community trust we used to run just one on a wednesday which i ran off my, my own back it was to get people in the barnwell area to kind of get active and get out and i've kind of i've always said to to vicky neil who i was liaising with she knows me from when she was at a school before um and i've I've always, I've said, like, just get me in front of as many people as possible. All I care about is helping people. Uh, that's all I want to do. So she's kind of said to me, like, oh, we've got this half camp. 
we do a talk? And I was like, yeah, I'll do a talk, whatever. I did it. Um, I record. This was still actually during lockdown, the first one. I did the talk, recorded it, sent her it, and she absolutely loved it. So then I did another talk. And I, at the time, I didn't really know what half camp was. I just kind of was like, okay, it's a talk. I'll do it. It's for kids, um, whatever. Um, and then I went into a meeting with a company earlier this year about potential collaborations with sessions and, <clears throat> and education. And I mentioned that I was starting a meal prep company. And one of the guys then said, oh, would you provide our meals for half camps? And I was like, yeah, but I don't really know what that means. So I kind of went away for the next month and literally any spare moment, I get quite like obsessive. Like with any spare moment I had, I was like, bang, research, research, research. And I kind of, I know the half kind of program inside and out now. And I was like, yeah, this is something we can do. This is really, really good. So essentially what it is, is it's a government funded initiative that allows, so free school meals are obviously during school time but there was nothing for the holidays, Easter, Christmas, summer. So obviously there's six weeks there where someone may not potentially have access to an abundance of food. Like I always had food at home. I was very, very lucky in that sense. And it's hard to think that some people just don't have that. Now, Marcus Rashford is obviously pushing the free school meals, which is incredible. But then there is obviously eight to 12 weeks of the year where that isn't then available. So the government have provided this funding to then allow supervised activity um, during the, the holidays, during the, the week, um, and a nutritious meal as well. So obviously we come on board with providing that nutritious meal, but we back that up with food, nutrition, education. So I then do this talk as well. And then we provide follow-on support for the parents. Um, so then the companies can kind of, they can focus on what they specialize in, which is looking after the kids, doing sport activities. We bring the food. So we bring um, the food, we bring fruit and veg. We work with the companies to devise a menu that they think will be good for the kids as well as the nutritional value. Um, they get two pieces of fruit for break times. They get, a, I've had one of the meals, like I can barely finish. There's a lot of food there. And they get a lot of food for then the lunchtime, which is always flooded with vegetables and stuff like that. And we're, we're trying to encourage them to try new things as well. Like we, this week we sent out a very nice vegetable tagine. Um, some of the kids tried, um, some of the kids tried couscous. And when I went in for a talk, they're like, oh my God, I tried your couscous. It was amazing. And it's just, just seeing the kids open their eyes to just more foods. Um, obviously nutritionally dense food as well was was really really cool so yes that is it is funded um, by the government but obviously by the time you've looked at the ingredients the chef the kitchen the packaging the the transport and stuff like there isn't there isn't a massive margin for, it's not a profit making machine um, no one knows it should be right it, no and it shouldn't be which is frustrating because there are some companies that will do kind of they utilize that funding and they don't necessarily pay as much as they maybe could which is frustrating because it's like guys we should collectively come together and and make it work for everyone um but yeah no so it's not by any sense it's not a money making machine it's about like can we just make this work and break even so that no one's out of pocket um, um but in the meantime giving substantial nutritionally dense meals to the kids backed up with the workshop i do which then has follow-on stuff for the parents to do. And the council's liaison for the HAF program, I met her for the first time yesterday and she actually listened to the talk and she said, oh my God, I even learned stuff, this is amazing, but what are you doing for the parents? We showed her, we told her and she's like, perfect. She's like, carry on. So uh, yeah, we've well, hit the nail on the head. Man, that I, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> it feels like you've you've really thought about things from, from multiple angles and you are having quite literally an impact on your local mm. community. And you know that that's payment in itself, right? Mm. Is that there's 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 ways in which we can we can make money to 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 
to, to move forward, but there's ways in which we can use money mm-hmm. that, that supports on a, on a local level without, you know, putting you too far out of pocket other than more of like the, the, the time value mm. that's added into that. But man, that's, I mean, that is absolutely amazing. Um, and it feels like it, it often keeps stepping back to that concept of you really enjoying public speaking and your mm. willingness to go and talk in front of other people. Um, I mean, I've I've seen that you've you've I mean you've spoken in front of thousands of right. people actually now in, in terms and through some some massive massive companies. What, what was it? some of them? Some of the ones that I oh, I didn't write those ones. I had I had the list of all the different sort of areas that you've been involved in in terms of like the the media perspective. But you'll be able to tell me um, in in better sense the sort of people that maybe you, you've spoken to. But you know what what makes you think that that platform that public speaking platform is is sort of the place where you want to be and is there any sort of key messages that you try to to, to bring across all of your talks because i i imagine that they serve different purposes but maybe it comes back to sort of common themes mm, yeah the common theme is always using food for for what we want to get out of it um and stepping away from demonizing foods and actually saying like yeah, fats are good for you. They're, they're great brain fuel. You have avocado, it's flooded with vitamin A, which is great for your brain. You have carbs, it's great for energy. You want to get stronger, you need carbs. You want to grow muscles, you need protein. It's kind of stepping away from all these stigmas of like protein is going to make a woman bulky. And it's like, listen, love, if it was that easy, I'd be massive. Like, do you know what I mean? I would be absolutely huge by now. Um, it's not that simple. Um, so it's kind of stepping away from that and actually saying like, this is food, this is what it is. We need all of it choose what you like eating like i don't i'm not a massive fish eater so i I won't eat fish simple as that so when clients like oh but i don't eat this don't eat it then whereas a lot of the time they feel like they have to eat something if they want to get a desired result it's no it's it's a case of having a better understanding of what food does for us and the role it plays in our existence in our growth and everything like that um and then utilizing that for ourselves so like if you you're feeling a bit under the weather like maybe having a load of fruit and veg get some nutrients in that's going to help you to feel better or maybe feel a bit tired when you're in the gym get some carbs in you before you go like it's just having a better understanding of of what food is and what it does for us as much as we like the taste it's like yeah okay you know you enjoy that put that to the side this is the role it plays this is how it can benefit you um the biggest talk i do for the for the companies for the adults is um improving productivity through nutrition so then the kids workshop is more about is talking food with kids. That's what it's called, talking food. Um, and then the other one, the one for the adults is improving productivity through nutrition. So it's like, I'm not saying don't have the chocolate. I'm just saying if you have it at this time, it will do more for you than it will at this time. So it's kind of not saying don't do this, don't do that in terms of like demonizing foods. It's more a case of if you swap that meal there, you'll actually be more productive because you won't have the slump and then you back it up with with graphs and, and research and stuff to kind of prove to them like this is why I'm saying it. They go away, they try it, and then I'm I'm inundated with messages of, oh my God, I didn't have a slump at 2 p.m. today and 3 p.m. And it's just helping people get through the day better. Um so yeah, it's fun. But yeah, those those talks, yeah, they're the kind of the ones that I think you're you're touching on where I had the bigger audiences. Yeah, but, I mean, there's there's so much value in that though. I, I I do often think this about around nutrition is that I am always so surprised at the 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 starting point 
of people and their understanding of nutrition. And it's why I was, you know, very curious to know why you were sort of going into the school environment and sort mm. of leading in that way. And it's, I think what, what's, what works quite well with, with, you know, what you're doing with MitFit is that you are looking at nutrition for, for everybody and actually mm. recognizing that, you know, although there's different nutritional needs and thoughts between those two different age brackets, if you can, you know, launch the, a younger age with mm. that knowledge, it means that then when you go into sort of conversations with you and, and, mm. and those talks again, there's, that there's so much, that, that there's so much value and purpose in the way in which it can impact your your daily life mm. and it was it, even the thing that you said there where about even you know keeping the same meals but mm. actually swapping when certain meals are you yeah. know it's such a simple move to do mm. but actually has a, a massive massive impact on on a, a person's nutrition and overall yeah. overall well-being um and so obviously you, you're, you're a clear advocate for, for nutrition and, and mm. making sure that you, that you uh, fuel your body correctly. You're a big, big advocate for sort of the, the physical exercise as well. So, you know, giving people opportunities to, to get into better physical shape, mm. but something that you often make reference to um, in your, in your stories and, and, and different posts and things like that is also a willingness to, to, to talk to others and to, mm. to, to, you know, conversate about how you're feeling about certain things, right. And actually having that level of openness, which I completely resonate with mm. and, and, and the value of that sense. But certainly something that I've maybe even been questioning myself um, in more recent times is how, how do we ensure that we impart that message without it becoming sort of a throwaway tokenistic mm. sentence to, oh, you know, just talk about it. Because, yeah, sometimes that's great to say, but in practice, how are we helping mm. that person? And is there still value in that phrase? Yeah, so that's where I, as, as anyone who follows me on socials knows that I'm quite open with the, the bad stuff as well. Um, typically, Instagram is a highlight reel. Um, of people's like the best thing that's going on where I even I did this obviously we talked about this mess up I did on Monday and I did a whole thing about it and someone I know messaged me saying like yeah like I've, I've had a really tough year but on my Instagram it looks amazing and I said what's been going on they're like oh it's too long for message I was like right I know I know where they work and I, I go there a lot so I said right I'm going to come in and we're going to talk about this like if you're sat there telling me that you openly know that your Instagram is flooded with all your highlights whereas you've told me you've just cried every day for a month it's like talk like find someone to speak to like it's okay post that good stuff because that good stuff did happen i'm not demonizing that i'm not saying don't post the good stuff but i just very much try to show like i'm not superhuman like i am going through hospital treatment i am messing up my job like there are things i get wrong as well like i am stressed like um i'm just trying to show all the bad stuff as well so that it's kind of people understand that balance but giving the real world examples so that it isn't just a throwaway comment of, I'll oh, just talk to someone. It's kind of like knowing, trying to find when people are maybe struggling or if someone's gone quiet, my friends go quiet, I'll just drop a message like, dude, are you okay? And then it's like, actually, no, I'm not. And it's like, okay, cool. I, I, I noticed you were quiet because they, they're not typically, they won't come to you. So maybe having the willingness to go to them and just say, look, I am here if you want to talk. If they don't, that's fine. But like just kind of ensuring it's not a throwaway comment by giving the, the real world examples of the bad side <laughs> as well as the good. Um, yeah, and as you said, like from my socials, you know, I'm very much kind of preaching that, like always kind of showing the the realities of, of life. And I think, yeah, 
I don't know. Does that answer the question? It, it, it does because, you know, what what you value, obviously you talk about well-being and things like that. It's that you, you value or show the value of physical, mm. mental and social well-being and everything that you do with MitFit encompasses that in, in some way, shape or form. And I think, yeah, the only reason I asked that question is just that <clears throat> often when something gets picked up on a more mainstream level, right, which which a lot of focus around well-being and, mm. and mental health has over over recent years, and, you know, rightfully so, I think it's something that, it, that, that needs to be recognised. But sometimes then you start becoming inundated with those sort of that phrasing, mm-hmm. oh, go and talk. But, you know, what, what you brought up there is that idea of, of giving sort of real world example, you know, when you're maybe encouraging on a, on a bigger scale, um, to go and do that, that you're giving real world examples and saying, right, well, look, this was something that happened to me, or this mm. is something that happened to this particular person. And this was the outcome because they ended up having this conversation. And then also I think it shows it, it's testament back to your personal, <laughs> your personal, your personality um, in a sense that you're then willing to, you know, f- when you ask that question that you're willing to go and see your friend, you're willing to engage in those mm. moments Um because uh, sometimes people ask that question without actually being ready to to receive the response. So, yeah, and I just think it's an interesting world and area to, to be focused in on. But it's it's so great to have advocates such as yourself mm. promoting the right things across, you know, diet, nutrition, across exercise and, 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 and community sort of elements. So my, my last question for you, and this was this was based on actually um, what this pro- where, where this podcast was originally going to be. But I ended up keeping this in just because it's something that I I really value and I, I'm wanting to find out more about from others. But um Obviously, your your positive energy is is bringing together a number of like minded people to to make some positive changes. Um, but in in your opinion, what what does community mean to you, and what would you potentially like to see Mitfit maybe do in the future to to create that further sense of of belonging and, and community? Community to me is <clears throat> it doesn't matter size shape race gender like ethnicity none of that matters you're just a selective group of humans in one place that that have reached the same goal um, and that's something that sport taught me um, being part of a football team like there's 11 of you on a pitch like you have to play together you have to work together we went one season where we it was a brand new league and we played 21 20 and we took the league we took the two cups as well but that we had a collectively we had an incredible group of individuals but it was the coming together and the playing together and working hard as a team in training, outside of training and in the games that won us the league. And for me, community is exactly that. Is It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, like work together, be there for each other, kind of remove all of that and just be you. Um, that's kind of where it is for me. And I, w- I, wanted to, I want to take it globally. I want. I really want to push on. I think that... Um, kind of a lot of stuff happened in my personal life coming out of the the lockdown, which kind of stunted the the growth of Mitfit in a way. Um, and that, so which I kind of, it's not necessarily a missed opportunity because I feel like it's a sliding door. One thing happens, another thing, this kind of happens for a reason. Um, but the, the collective goal has always been to become a global brand. Um, just purely not, not from a monetary basis, just, I want to touch as many lives as I can. I want to leave a legacy. I want, it's quite, it might sound quite egotistical, but I want people to say my life was better because Joe was in it, because Mitfit was in it. 
Um, that for me is kind of where I want to be because my life is infinitely better because they're in it. The best part of my week is being there with my clients. Do you know what I mean? It's like they were taking, <laughs> they were taking a piss yesterday. I don't even know if I can say that word, That's but nice. basically I've got the, I've got the most horrendous t-shirt tan. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. And one of the clients said, where have you been? Um, I said, no, it's just, just from work. And he said, by work, you mean walking up and down? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> but just having that freedom to kind of just completely embarrass me in front of everyone. Um, and it's just, it just sounds so, so small, but just having those people in my life has, has, I, I, for me personally, think I had the best life ever because of the people I get to work with. Um, so it's in my way, I want to then flip that and I want to give that back to them. I want them to be happy and grateful and, and have a better life because I was in it. Um, and that for me, if it's community, um, and I said it's family. Family isn't just blood. Family is how you relate to someone. And there's friendships that have been forged through Mitfit, which they I see them going out and doing stuff together and having great times. And I think that never would have happened if it wasn't for Mitfit. And it's kind of that impact on a community level, on a localised level. And I want to kind of nationalise and globalise that and touch as many lives as possible. Well, it definitely feels like you're moving in that direction, man. Honestly, uh but first of all, thank you so much for, for coming and having a chat today. Um, it's been just great to hear in more depth some of the mm. things that you're doing <clears throat> as my voice starts to, to give way. But man, it's it's just, I, I love what you're doing in the educational setting. I love that you're really pushing the public speaking, getting involved in businesses. And I love what you're doing for, for your MitFit community. So yeah, man, I, I wish you all the best of luck going thank forward. You. And, you know, make sure make sure you check out a little bit more of mitfit i'm going to put all of the i'll put all the links to all the yeah. instagram stuff in there in in the, in the post down here but yeah thank you so much for your time buddy. thank you yeah. for having me yeah and if you want any more sort of podcasts like this and i'm definitely going to be leaning into these a little bit more in, in the coming months I've, i just i get such an energy from from mm. this experience but do make sure you follow serotonin sessions on instagram and have a little look on our youtube for the other bits that we've done but for now we'll see you later on Thank you.